You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and creator of The Dev Method for Goal Setting Simplified. And I know I always say that I'm really excited about my shows because I always really am. But today I get to like be both devs at once. So some of you know, in addition to being a goal strategist and workshop leader, I am a food writer and a podcaster. Uh, I host the Taste Buds with Dev show in addition to Goal Chat. And so today I've got amazingly three of my previous Taste Buds guests, and we're going to be talking about cooking goals. And I don't think I'm overselling, saying it's going to be amazing. So let's just see if I am right. Uh, today, I have with me Chef Susan Feniger, who I, I'm going to let her introduce herself because her list of all the amazing things she's doing. I interviewed her and Liz Lackman for Susan Feniger's Fork, which is their um, movie that's running the festival circuit right now and awesome. Um, <laughs> Samantha Ferraro, who is an author and founder of The Little Ferraro Kitchen, and C.W. Silverberg, a.k.a. C-Dubs, uh, host of Schmoozin' and Cruisin' and also the founder of Trippin' Kosher. So let me let you all introduce yourselves a little bit better. And Susan, let's start with you. So who are you? I mean, I know. Why are you yeah. Uh, Susan Feniger, and I own the Border Grill and Sokolo, Alice B, just newly opened in Palm Springs. Sokolo's in Santa Monica, Border Grill is here in LA for catering and trucks, and then also at Mandalay Bay in Vegas. Barbecue Mexicana in Vegas, which we're very excited about, is opening. Well, we have it at Mandalay Bay and at the Raiders Stadium and T-Mobile, but we're also opening our first quick casual drive through in Vegas in about a month from now. So um, I guess that's it. Cookbook writer. And, you know, I do some TV and uh, some. I think that's, yeah. uh, that's about it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think you undersold yourself a little bit, but it's fine. We will dive a little bit more. I want to know how do you do everything? I mean, we all here do a lot of things, but. We don't do Susan Feniger level of a lot of things. So I'm busy. I'm busy right now. I'm very right now. I am, I have to say a little bit crazy because we just opened Palm Springs, Alice B um, about two months ago. So between LA going to Palm, driving to Palm Springs, mm -hmm. then going into Vegas, like we just did Super Bowl, which was crazy at Border Grill. And and then doing the festival tour right now for Susan Fenninger Fork, it's been a little bit wild. And then, you know, I mean, I'm on the board of co-chair of the Los Angeles LGBT Center and Sclerodermer Research Foundation. So I feel a little bit busy. Well, we appreciate you taking time out to chat with us today. And so Gary Stockton, who's watching live, wrote, hey, it's Susan Fenninger, too hot tamales. So um, and Gary also loves Border Grill, as do I think everybody else who is who is at least here on the panel. Um, and, but the, this love, and we got connected because of Susan Feniger Fork. So I am very glad um, to have you here and chatting food today. So thank, thank you. you, thank you. It's great to be here. Sam. <laughs> okay. Sam, welcome. Good to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be back. So please share who you are, why you're here, etc. 
So, uh, so my name is Samantha Ferraro. I am a food blogger. My website is Little Ferraro Kitchen. And on that website, I share kind of food from all the places I've lived and the foods I grew up on. So you'll find Jewish food, Mediterranean food. Um, I used to live in Hawaii, so you'll find some Hawaii food as well. And over the last few years, I've wrote, uh, written two cookbooks. Uh, which are Mediterranean based. The first one is called Weeknight Mediterranean Kitchen. It's a great introductory uh, cookbook if you want to like dive into the world of Mediterranean cooking. I talk about spices and just really um, simplified introductory uh, recipes to kind of get you into all those beautiful flavors. And then um, over the summer, my second cookbook came out called One Pot Mediterranean. So we took all those flavors and we put them in one pot. So you can just pop it on the table and enjoy your guests and enjoy your dinner. And uh, I cook a lot. <laughs> so I cook a lot of Mediterranean and other foods that I miss so much. And um, that's kind of the gist of me. So stop by my website if you're looking for some fun, tasty recipes. Excellent. Well, and if you, you are tuning in and whether you're watching this as Gold Chat Live or listening to this as the Gold Chat Podcast on the Marketing Podcast Network, I'm guessing if you're tuning in, you love food and you want to have cooking goals. So great to have you back, Sam. Thank you. Hi. you. Welcome. Hi, hi. I'm uh, C.W. Silverberg. I'm the host of Schmoozing and Cruising. I am a I don't know, kind of like a Mr. Rogers of the kosher lifestyle, perhaps. <laughs> uh, I try to just expose the the wonderful positivity about keeping kosher in the kosher lifestyle and how unique and, and different it actually can be. You know, specifically as, as a wandering Jew, we've had a chance to really try most cultures on the planet and adapt it to a kosher lifestyle. So all that food, as global as it can be, is also kosher. And we highlight that through our television series on Highflix. Um, I cook sometimes at home. I love eating and mostly love talking. Well, you've got something else we all have in common. You have come to the right place. Well, thank you so much. And as I mentioned before, you've all been uh, wonderful guests on Taste Buds with Deb. And if you go to thedebmethod.com slash blog, you'll get the recap. And in addition to the links and the highlights, we will have those links for you as well. So to help me panel, why food? What is it uh, that you love so much? I mean, we love to eat, but let's go a little bit deeper. So Susan, what is it about food? Huh. <laughs> I mean, yes, an easy question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I think I did, I grew up in Toledo. My mom was a great cook, uh, although my sister can't cook, but, you know, my mom was really a great cook. And I think, you know, I mean, even just when she'd make like a salad, it would be a really, it just was seasoned really well with like Lowry seasoning salt and you know, and only Lowry's. I'm, I'm a Lowry's girl all the way. Only Lowry's. And you know, she'd make like a homemade French dressing and she'd make an Italian vinaigrette. So she just, you know, even back then, that many years ago, she was she was cooking a lot and it seemed like she'd be cooking and freezing and then cooking and freezing, cooking and freezing. And, you know, would always sort of, I think many years later, I would always sort of think, why didn't you just cook and eat? Why do you always cook and freeze and then thaw and then cook and freeze? But she, you know, I think her, I think her love of cooking, I think that, that influenced me in a big way. And it certainly made me aware of, or just, I don't even know if I was aware of it until much later I had my first job in high school and just fell in love with the kitchen. I think I have felt, I would have to say I probably fell in love with the kitchen and the camaraderie and the energy of a kitchen, probably even more so than the food part of it initially. I think that really, I was sort of a jock in high school and when I was young. And I think that spirit in the kitchen really, um, I was really drawn to that. And and that's even when I was in high school. And I think that really connected me into food. Now it's just, I love how you, everything you do. And after all these years, 
you keep learning all the time. You keep growing and learning. And there's so much new when you're exploring other cultures, but just new ingredients and how ingredients work and cooking techniques. There's just so much to keep you motivated and excited if, if that's where your passion is. So, I mean, I'm always, I'm learning so much, like even from our chef in, in Palm Springs, just new stuff. And you've got all these young people around you that are doing new things and exploring new things. So I keep learning. And that's an amazing part, I think, for me of loving being in the kitchen and learning more about cooking techniques and food and different ingredients. So I don't know. It's just been my life for so long. You know, it's been 50 years of cooking. And you still love it. I do. I still love the, honestly, I still love the being in the kitchen, doing prep. You know, it's been like, even the last couple of months, I've been, you know, in the kitchen doing prep, like 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. And that's been really very fun. Just a very fun part of just being in there with the team and the energy. And so and I still love it. I can, you know, I don't know. I can, I think I can work easily as much and longer than probably most of the younger kids in the kitchen. Right. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) So Sam, what about you? Where did your love of food and cooking come from? So I, you know, I grew up as the kid that had like the weird food because my mother's side, you would know that my mother's side is Sephardic. So I was going to school with like fasolia and stuffed grape leaves and like zucchini patties while my classmates had like peanut butter and jelly. So I had to thank my mom for giving me this like diverse palette that I, I think I wouldn't have had if she didn't introduce me to these flavors when I was younger. And since I've lived in so many different places, I lived in Southern California. I lived in Hawaii for a number of years. I'm in the Pacific Northwest now. I'm originally from New York. And I've had all of these different food influences around me, like totally different. Like living in Hawaii, I had lots of Portuguese influence and Japanese and Hawaiian um, and Filipino. And then living in Southern California, there was like Korean and Mexican. And now Pacific Northwest, it's very, you know, seafood heavy and very seasonal. So I, I love being able to kind of like immerse myself into all those different cuisines and cultures and places and kind of take the food that's around the area and just like, you know, enjoy it, just go nuts about it. So um, I try to keep that in mind wherever I go because I want to eat where, you know, what food is available there. I want to really enjoy the food that's grown there or that's, you know, popular or respected there. That's, that's really something I focus on, like whenever I travel. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing I think too, is that for me, in all the traveling, I think there's, especially with street food, there's something so amazing about learning about a culture through street food. Okay. doesn't matter if you communicate through language, but through when you walk into neighborhoods, whether you're in Vietnam or China or, you know, anywhere, you get this amazing connection to the culture, to the people. Yeah, ask the locals. I mean, really, yeah. they know the spots. Don't go to the touristy spots. Get off of, you know, the main street. Go That's deep sure. in there and just for be sure. curious. And if you're nervous, that's the fun of it. Just, you know, don't even worry about it. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And so, TW, all you do is travel and eat food. So I'm, I'm very, I think I agree with everything that everybody has said. Like I grew up in the Midwest with home cooked dinners every night because there wasn't any other option because we were a kosher household. Like my friends used to stock kosher snacks in their house for me. Uh, When we would have, when we would have parties, bar mitzvahs, weddings, we would bring in non-kosher caterers to the kosher kitchen. I learned how to roll an egg roll from Leon Chin. So if you're from the Midwest, you know who that is. Um, it's the same kind of thing. What, what is, what do I love about cooking? It's that communal, that communal like conversation that extends past words. You're, you're there, you're eating a dish and you're like, I've, my brain has never experienced this before, but this is part of a culture that's familiar to a part of my identity, like Sephardic food, right? Kosher Mexican food, Mm -hmm. uh, two hot tamales cookbook was very influential (laughs) in, in my life, uh, very early on. Uh, because, you know, it's not a hard cookbook to do kosher. It, it was not yeah. at all. Skip some seafood, perhaps. But like beyond that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. no more shrimps. But beyond that, you know, I think it's just about the communal idea of food and table. We all eat. 
right? Yeah. Everybody eats something and everybody enjoys something that, you know, it, it, when you really want to be reminded of home or of family, what do you do? You look at pictures? No, 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 no. You cook something your grandma made, right? Yeah. That's that's what food is for. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that when people are traveling to really explore a culture, if you go into the neighborhoods and eat, for me, eating on the street tells you all about it. And I think the people that are there, they open up their lives so much more when you're willing to sort of explore through being in the local, sort not in restaurants, not in fancy restaurants, and really, you know, in street stands all over. You make you make these connections that are so amazing. It's real. It's real food. It's a different. If it's a different thing, this is you know yeah. from the heart, from the soul food. I took a couple years off in between. I went on like a kind of rumspring and played plenty of plenty of tacos, plenty of street food. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite things is I had a street food company for a long time. We used to just just pop up at farmers markets and huh. just sell whatever we felt was appropriate for like the time and space. What kind of what kind of something that would warm your soul and your belly and just be delicious and just didn't have to be indicative of of, of my upbringing, but was fully kosher. So it was you know kind of a mix of all those opportunities. Yeah, it's great. I, I'm seeing so many common themes between all of you, which is really quite amazing. I love it when that happens. Um, what in especially what you said just now, uh, CW, about if you want to remember something, you just cook something. So, what is your earliest food memory? You know, it's it's my mother's. I think my mother's chicken soup, and I still like like to maybe because like I'm Jewish to the core, so it's going to be chicken soup, right? <laughs> but like I could eat soup all day, every day, and I think that's what it is because we also have Shabbos was was like a big deal. Like like Orthodox Jews, we do Thanksgiving every weekend. Like it's it, like we do big meals every Friday night, every Saturday, and they're big family meals. So like one of the standards was my mom's. My mom's, and then she had something called a kugel, which is a noodle pudding, a noodle pudding, but she makes a salt and pepper kugel. So not like a cheese, like, you know, kind of American standard idea of what a kugel is. No, this is like a savory crispy. And the best part about it was, is she would, she would make the noodle and then like beat the egg into the noodle and then pour a hot oil into the egg noodle mixture and then whip that first and then put it in the oven to set. But before she put it in the oven, you get to scrape that bowl of all like the new, it was pasta carbonara basically, but like, or like a cacio pepe ish. But it was like, that was like the Friday treat. Like nobody was looking. You just like scooped it out and you ate as much as you could before you got in trouble. Yeah. Uh, my, my mom used to put on top of the cocoa, she used to put uh, sugar frosted flakes. Yes. You you do the sweet cocoa. I'm a savory yeah. guy all the way. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm savory too. I'm savory too. Yeah. But oh, she, I get that. You know, <laughs> that was my favorite part as a kid. The crunchy, the crunchy. Yeah. It's all about the crunchy. The little edges on the end. Yeah. Mm. So is, it, is that your earliest food memories? I want to say the chicken soup and kugel, maybe eating the little things might be my early. Uh, there's so many. It's hard to really like. I think Wait so. until I ask you to play favorites with your foods, but we'll get there. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, you know, I. I, honestly, it's garbage. I love garbage food. That's, it's <laughs> a hot dog and like a piece of white bread with like a little bit of Dijon mustard at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's that's going to win. After you cook all day, like that's it. I'm not eating the food I'm cooking. I'm too busy. Oh, my God. Mm, real garbage. Oh, man. A slice of white bread? Well, I don't have don't play hands around. Who's got your hands? No, no, it's just it's in the microwave, too. Like real just... Uh. Oof. Anyway, I like it all. You know. <laughs> so, Susan, what is your earliest food memory? Well, gosh, my mom would. Let's see. There's so many. I agree. So many of them. I still have. I still have a little file card file box, you know, like that, <laughs> that has my grandmother's recipes, my aunt Faye, mine from cooking school. You know, and you can see the different and my mom's and the different handwritings. It's so interesting to look at all the different recipes. But um, 
I guess if I could say, I mean, there's definitely things for sure that that I remember very clearly that my mom used to do Velveeta cheese dreams and I would make them with her with margarine and, you know, uh, white bread with the crust off. And then you would put melted margarine on it with a Velveeta cheese mm. mixing, roll it, and then she'd put them in the freezer. And when guests would come over, friends would stop by, you put them in a hot oven. They'd come out like all broil, you know, all baked really crispy on the outside with that Velveeta cream cheese coming out, like our Velveeta cheese coming out. So that she used to do these um, little toast with like a, you know, like some sort of peanut butter and then chutney on top oh. uh, that you'd heat up in the oven that were really fabulous. And then fudge for sure. I mean, she used to make fudge and I would lick the fudge paddles all the time. And she did frozen icebox cakes with lady fingers, like chocolate, strawberry, vanilla. Even after I opened City Cafe, like in 1981, a couple years into it, my dad packed up like six of them in dry ice and shipped them from Toledo to LA. And we sold ladyfinger cakes at frozen icebox cakes at city cafe as a special that's just cool <laughs> that's amazing i feel very midwest with you right now like i'm feeling yeah. it like uh, i get all that all that i understand the chutney i didn't understand that's not yeah, well, that was, like, you know, yeah i mean that sounds good though yeah, oh, it was, sure. yeah it was really good you know and she was really a good cook i mean all that stuff can be made and be made not very delicious or delicious. I mean, even the simplest of those things have to be made really well to be delicious. And, you know, she was really a good cook. So that stuff all stuck with me because it was, you know, it just was, it just had the right flavors to it. Not that I was evaluating it then, but I liked it. <laughs> and, you know, so... It was, those were some great, like those Velveeta cheese dreams. Those were fabulous. Those were really good. I mean, I'm, yeah, Velveeta is good. No, I mean, I just made it. It sounds like something it. I'd eat late at night. And just when I'm talking about that, I'm thinking about this, this grilled cheese that we're doing out at Alice B. And it's basically on a, a, on a brioche, but thick. And it's sort of filled with like a pimento cheese and like an American cheese and pepper jelly. And it's, you know, and then it's just sort of toasted and then baked. And we serve it with just a really delicious tomato soup. I mean, that that's sort of like a Velveeta cheese dream. Yeah. That's how, I mean, what's more kid friendly, right? Than tomato soup and grilled cheese. Yeah. And like. The, I want to know with with these icebox uh, cakes, uh, how do you make them bad? Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess. Uh, well, I don't know. I've seen many things that people can make that you think, how could they screw that up? And they do. So I don't so, know. I don't try to. I don't try to work on on how you make things bad, but <laughs> I try to work on how you make things good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I realized as the question was coming out of my mouth that it was really backwards. So it takes talent to make something bad, yeah. but probably even more talent to make it really, really good. Did yeah. I did I dig myself out of that hole sure well thing. enough? Yeah. Sure I mean, you we'll know how ahead. you can make something. Like, what about a cheesecake? I mean, like, my mom used to make graham cracker crust, very basic. You know, with cream cheese, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then sour cream on top and baked. And it's like, was really delicious. But how many times do you taste the cheesecake and it's not that great? Yeah, I agree. You can. <laughs> and it seems very basic. Mm -hmm. But but there is a good and a bad way to make anything. As a side note, CW, my friend Eugene Barlaz um, sent over a link for kosher mango chutney. So... Oh. Ooh, now you have Look at that, Eugene. Thank you. Do you know who else has a kosher chutney? Trader Joe's has a kosher chutney. It's, uh, oh. they, you know, 60% of every grocery store is kosher certified. I could make it myself or I could buy it. You know, <laughs> so. 
but I am going to try it. I, I don't know. I keep the, you know, I, why not? Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so Sam, earliest food memory? So I, I kind of mentioned it before. So my mom wasn't a huge cook, but there was like a handful of things that she made. And one of them I mentioned is called fasulya. So fasulya means mm. beans in Turkish. And you can have it whatever, which way, white beans. My mom did it with green beans. And basically it's a really simple stew of like green beans, like tomatoes or tomato broth or whatever, and any kind of meat, beef, lamb, whatever. And really it just simmers together. And the smell of the tomatoes with the green beans is so like reminiscent of my childhood. It's that smell that's, um, it, I mean, it smells like green beans, like <laughs> stewed green beans, which isn't the most flattering smell in the world. But when you grew up with it, it's like, oh man, that is just home cooking to me. And over the years, I've kind of like played around with, you know, maybe adding potatoes or, you know, doing like a better cut of beef, but just that tomato and green bean combination, like that's just, oh my gosh, it just brings me right back. Like I just feel so comforted. I just love it. I kind of want to make it right now. And you put it over rice and it's just, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so simple. I can smell it. Can you smell this? I can smell. I can smell exactly what you're talking about. I've been in this Farnic house. Like I know exactly that green, yeah, green tomato smell. Yes, exactly. And it's just yeah. so simple. And my mom didn't measure a thing. This is a funny story. I talked about it before is when I want to learn how to make latkes, right? I was old enough. I'm like, I want to learn how to make latkes. I'm like, mom, how do you make latkes? Cause she made pretty good. You know, they were always crispy. They weren't too oily. And my mom's like, Oh, you know, you just, you know, you grate the potato, you squeeze it out. And you add some eggs and you add some matzo meal and you mix it until it feels right. I'm like, mom, how many? Oh, you just feel it until it feels right. You'll know. And that was that was how she cooked with everything. You'll you'll know. I can't give out recipes. I can't give out recipes nowadays. Like people ask me how to make it. I'm like, I don't know. I poured some of this, I poured some of that. My my grandmother had a Yiddish term, and I'm not gonna say it right, but it's a shik and geese, which means guess and pour, which is how they defined a recipe. But as kids, we all thought it was shitting geese and we thought it was hilarious. Like that was my, what did my grandma just say? What'd you put in the food? I, I'm not eating that. Now we're PG-13. We beeped it. We beeped it. Uh, beep. It was Yiddish. Uh, it wasn't anything it was wrong. Yiddish. It was Yiddish. Yiddish words, man. Oh. Uh, uh, you gotta be careful with those. Yeah, the, those Yiddish words will get you every time. I, I feel like the next time you're in the Pacific Northwest, you need to visit Sam's Kitchen. <laughs> I'm not kosher, though, so we have to be careful. I can still have fun. I just won't eat anything. It's oh, okay. okay. Sorry. <laughs> come to my kitchen. I just won't eat. What, about, what, what is that? Well, yeah. come to my kitchen and throw down a kosher party. Chef Susan, come on down, too. Cool. I got full facilities. Well, no, I'm not in the Midwest anymore, oh. unfortunately. I'm currently in Baltimore, Maryland, which has its own sizable kosher yeah. community, and my kids have it good, so I stay here. Nice. All right. <laughs> nice. Okay, it's a date. Mm. <laughs> Whenever you're down, no worries. We have full we have full facilities. I have secret restaurants in the house. Ooh. I have a four top izakaya in the backyard if you want to mess wow. around. Oh, mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fully kosher. Let's do this. So <laughs> I'm down. So we all, and, and this is not a secret either, but I am a reformed non-cook. I used to think that, you know, cooking took way too much time and energy. And then I got my Instant Pot and realized that, oh, I can throw in ingredients and do other things. And that was like my gateway into discovering this love of food and cooking. What advice do you have for people who just aren't there yet? What What is just one tip that can be like, I don't know, light bulb for someone who needs that extra push. Because now that, well, first of all, whenever I give recipes, I look to see who's talking because it can't possibly be me because who is this person? Uh, but the other part is I think once you just kind of dive in, you're going to love it forever. So what what's the gateway, do you think? Well, just fundamentals. I'm, I'm not the chef. Susan is the chef and she's like legit, like, you know, I'm just a rando guy, but like <laughs> learn how to roast a chicken. If you know how to roast a chicken, you will impress anybody. And, and like that gets you in like it, like a perfectly roasted chicken is not hard and it just comes out and everybody's usually impressed. And then once you learn how to roast a chicken, you learn how to put things under the chicken that you're roasting. And then all of a sudden you have a full meal. That's always been my like 
one advice, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I I could see how that would be gateway. It's a, like well, giving a mouse a cookie. He's yeah. gonna want milk in a straw. You learn how to roast a chicken, then the vegetables and the sides and everything comes together. Well, the scenario usually is, is, you know, I got to cook to impress a significant other or I have somebody coming over and I don't know how to cook, you know, just a perfectly roasted chicken. Most people, you know, it's, that's a delicious thing. Like we know, I think we all grew up with a certain kind of chicken on every plate, mm -hmm. right? That's uh, an American ideal. So I think we're very comfortable with good chicken and uh, just a perfectly roasted chicken. Yeah. Mm. Although not that easy. No. Ah. I don't yeah. know. Throw it in the oven, turn the oven on, flip it over, take it out. Uh, is that too much thought? I don't, I don't flip my chicken over. Oh, I do it upside down and then I flip it. Really? Always, yeah, you cook it upside down. Don't let the breasts overcook and then you flip it back over and let the bread, let the skin brown. Does the skin still get crispy? Yeah, well, that's, yeah. And also, I, you know, I have this whole, like, because I do Friday night cooking. So we don't cook once Shabbos starts. Right. We don't cook. So everything's got to be prepped before. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten very attuned at being able to throw things in the oven, turning it off and let the carryover cooking. So that's kind of been part of it. So you roast like par, par roast the chicken, flip it over, and then you throw it into a screaming hot oven. Then you turn off the oven. And then an hour later, when everybody's ready to eat, usually you're pretty. Again, I, again, Chef Susan would be the expert here. I really don't know what I'm talking about. So like. Let me be. I like that idea. I like that idea. Well, carryover cooking is the is a good. It's like all of my Friday night cooking, carryover cooking. So like whether it's a roast or anything, you have to just know your oven. Yeah. yeah. Know your oven. Be very personal with your oven. Yeah. Do you have other thoughts on on chicken, Susan? Before we get into your gateway tip, I don't. You know, I don't. I mean, I think. Um, God, on chicken. I don't know. Oh, I, I started it. I'm sorry. On I mean, I think, you know, um, I think doing a, like, I mean, I eat dark meat. I We've sort of always served dark meat in our restaurants. And I think sometimes, like taking, you know, leg and thigh, a boneless leg and thigh, mm -hmm. you know, letting it be in the fridge, just air dry overnight without covered so that the skin mm -hmm. starts to dry out. And then I really, I love just taking, and I think it's sort of a simple thing for someone to do is take that chicken, put it in a medium hot saute pan, let that be hot, add a tiny bit of olive oil, and then just skin side down yeah. and let it just cook. Honestly, like I'm going to say like 45 minutes on one side, so that mm -hmm. skin is so crispy. And even if there's a lot of juice that comes out, I even pour some of that off so that it stays yeah. just really crisping that skin and then turn it over. It's almost cooked completely. Finish it for, you know, maybe another five minutes. And then you've got this, it's almost like fried chicken without adding any flour or anything like that. Although I love fried chicken too. I grew up <laughs> on fried chicken, but... I grew up on fried chicken with salt, pepper, and loaded with paprika. Yeah. Like, so the chicken was red on it on the skin side and on the on the meat side. And then again, like taking like a cast iron pan with a little bit of Crisco or veggie Crisco, whatever, and putting it again, skin side down, putting all the chicken in as tight, like complete breaking rules of doing, yeah. you know, cooking anything, but everything, the, all the leg and thigh really tight next to each other it can be bone in, but tight next to each other. And it starts to shrink up. And then you add another piece of chicken skin side down till it gets really crisp, flip it over and you can keep taking a piece out after it cooks completely and add another one in and continue cooking that way. So I think, you know, I think that's a pretty easy way for people to do. And then I think the same thing, I think like you're saying is then make these great sides. Like you can do, you know, make a, a really yummy, even just a really delicious coleslaw. And you could add, you know, even just one with that's got olive oil, vinegar, celery seeds, something like that with cabbage. We do one with orange juice, lime juice, grapefruit juice, olive oil, that's sort of yeah. citrusy making great side dish, roasted carrots with toasted cumin seeds and lime. Oh, that's lovely. All those sides. I love making all, I love the sides. They're my most favorite thing anyways for any meal. 
Just don't forget the lorries. The lorries needs to go on the yeah. chicken and in the slaw. You know, those are my Although things. My mom, my mom did paprika on the chicken. Was she Hungarian or of a Hungarian descent? Because that's like a big. Yeah, no, but no. Really? No. Let's but that. That part of the CW world. disagrees. Gulashi, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, yeah. I like paprika. You know, why not? <laughs> Sam, are you the only one in the in this? Not from the Midwest? No, I'm not from the Midwest. Ooh, mm. you're the outlier. I'm originally from New York, and then I moved to the West Coast. Uh, okay. Well, here's this a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, Susan, what is your gateway then? What is my gateway? What your, your gateway tip. What's one thing that someone who doesn't love cooking um, maybe will get them to love cooking? To get them to love. I mean, I think, well, I don't know if it gets them to love, but I think the most important things are salt and olive oil and acid. I think those that, you know, that's what I find often when, if I'm going to a friend's house or even at restaurants, what's all, what, if there's something lacking, it's usually salt and acid. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's a fancy vinaigrette or, you know, a dish, if it's lacking with, the with I think, salt and acid, to me, that shifts a dish completely. You know, sometimes I'll be in the kitchen, it'll be like, okay, I'll say to one of the cooks, like, taste this. And then they taste, it's a little bit flat. And you have to add a touch of salt, a little bit of vinegar or lime or any, or, you know, any acid. And the whole dish shifts because it brings out the flavor. So mm -hmm. I, that's one thing. I think you need to have a one great sharp knife, one, like one French knife. And don't worry about having a set of knives. One great French knife. Not doesn't have to be French. I mean, I like the Takayuki, the Japanese knives. They're like my mm -hmm. favorite. Knife. But one great French knife is a chef knife. One great nine inch, 12 inch knife. That's all you need. Spend the money on that and learn how to sharpen it so it's sharp. And then, and you know, Gateway, I think, um, I mean, I think you have to taste all the time. Yeah. You've got to be when, I mean, that was one thing my mom did. She was actually quite thin, but she would taste the food all the time. She'd never really want to sit down and eat much, but she would taste while she was cooking. And I think... That is a huge part of making a really delicious dish is that you're tasting as you go, as you've added things so that you're not just salting at the very end or not just that you're really as things are cooking and learning those basic techniques like caramelizing, like making a soup. You don't just throw the onions, carrots, blah, blah, or a stew or any anything that's got those components. You don't just throw them all in a pot. You really, you know, the techniques of like, sauteing the onions, then adding the spices to that, and then adding the other ingredients. And I mean, I think if you learn a few basic techniques, then the rest is, and don't worry about following the recipe exactly. Yeah. And if you don't have one ingredient, mm -hmm. big deal. just make it with something that's comparable or leave it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess the lesson is if you make your food taste better, you will enjoy cooking more. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think I concur with Susan that a lot of people have not really tasted properly seasoned yeah. food most of their yeah. lives, and they just don't know. Also, I feel like I have the same mother as Susan because everything she's saying reverberates <laughs> very well with my skinny mother who won't eat anything but tasted everything. Where did where did you grow up? I forget. Where Minneapolis. St. Louis Minneapolis. Park, Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Minnesota. I heard that. <laughs> it comes out when I, it, it is sometimes, when I get on the plane, I start talking, you know. Yeah. 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 Someone told me the other day that I sounded like I'm from the Midwest, which I am. Mm -hmm. I've lived here more than 20 years, but I never realized that I had an accent. Listen, it's a compliment. Oh, Take it as a okay. compliment. It means you're I nice, Deb. That's what it means. It means you sound nice. <laughs> oh, that I get. Okay. I accept. Thank you. Um, Sorry, I have to. I'm walking around because I hear our puppy eating something. <laughs> uh -oh. Your puppy clearly uh -oh. wants to be part of this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I don't I'm also know enjoying I the tour. I think the tour is fantastic. So <laughs> your house, I'm telling you, I wish, here, do you want to see what your house and my house are? The same house? 
Like, I don't know if you noticed that. Like, we're oh, look. very. Oh, wow. We both have beautiful homes. Uh, look, thank oh, God. Thank yeah. God. Mine is a California house, not in California. That's right. <laughs> very similar. Look, that's funny. Yeah. We're. And here's our kitchen. Oh, look. And here's the oh, thing the dog got on the floor. <laughs> here's the kitchen. I just thought I'd give you a little. Wow. Look at that. Oh, my God. As long it's as I'm walking around. Here, this is my favorite part of our kitchen. So we have this five-foot uh, wood, this cutting board, the John Boost cutting board that's like everybody sits around. And then these are the, I love having this open shelving where you can have all your pots and pans there. That's cool. Oh, sorry. sorry. It's, sorry. it's okay. We're I am loving this and I'm not going to, you know, show off my kitchen, but I, we have very similar houses. We have very yeah. similar houses. Funny. Yeah. But I love that we, when we uh, put the kitchen in, uh, in this house, we put that, had that huge five by five foot cutting board. That's like this thick. That's the Island. So of course that's where everybody hangs when they come. But on the one and all around our cabinets, but on the one side, it's open shelving that just have stainless steel on them. And so all the pots and pans and bowls. So it's like a, like a restaurant kitchen. So it's not things are tucked away and, you know, and it's easy. You know, I think if someone learns how to has a sharp knife and they learn how to cut that, yeah. then all the chores that they have to do in order to make something become so much easier. It's when you don't have that, then it takes forever to make a salad or, you know. So I think part of it is, if you're interested, learn a few things like that. And it'll make, it makes your job so much easier. It's the, you know, I think when people start, I give Liz, like, she'll say, can I help you? And I'll give her like a pound of green beans and like three <laughs> minutes to clean. And it'll be like three minutes into it. She's like, this job is boring. Can you give me something different? <laughs> You know, I love those boring jobs. Yeah. And so this is where I am the enigma because I worked short order uh, the summer before I graduated from college. So I learned the summer before my senior year of college. So I was great with the prep. It just took a while for me to figure out, you know, how to make the ingredients taste good once I was done cutting them. Yeah. Salt. Add salt. (laughs) And acid. And that's it. I tell people all the time, people are like, what's your secret ingredient? And I'm like, uh, salt. Yeah. It's enough, sure. you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's salt. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And I will tell you that the chicken mm-hmm. soup is not only was, you know, the Instant Pot my gateway appliance, but chicken soup is the gateway. That I make it at least once a week because A, your house smells wonderful, and B, you have chicken. And then you can make other meals. So I, I also like the practicality of it is you cook yeah. the chicken in the soup and then you can use the chicken for other things. So, yeah. and brisket, I think brisket's the same way, you know, you, yeah. you know, you braise a brisket mm-hmm. and then you have it and then cold. I love it. One of my favorite things to do with brisket when it's cold is to cut it in chunks. Like, you know, like, you know, it could be a like a, like the size of a filet, like okay. two inches by three inches, and then sear it in hot oil. Really? And then yeah. just put it in the oven, then make like a horseradish cream and homemade applesauce. And that's like, mm-hmm. that really? seared brisket is my most, I mean, I like, I love brisket. Obviously, we all grew up with brisket, yeah. but but I love it cold and cut it in like you would a steak and then sear it and then just put it in the oven and let it slowly warm up, but not with juice. Let it. So, so it's actually a, like a, a, a steak, like a steak and then make a homemade applesauce, which is so simple Ooh, and yes. radish cream on the top. And it's yeah. like the, the perfect second day use for brisket. Mm. That sounds really good. It does. It does. That, that sounds, sounds really so good. that's the class. I think anybody who cooks is just listening to be like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do. I actually love brisket better that way than I do just sliced. It's really interesting. Really? All right. I'm going to have to try that. 
so Sam, what is your gateway to love cooking tip? So I, uh, I kind of tell, have told the story before, but so I teach cooking classes here and there is a gentleman that has come to a few of my classes and he, uh, and I do Mediterranean cooking. So I kind of talk about the spices and I let everyone smell them and taste them and everything. And this guy is like, listen, I grew up in Alabama. I don't know any of these flavors. You know, now I put Zatar on everything because you introduced me to it. I don't know. You know, I'm bringing it back to Alabama to my kids. They don't even know what to expect. And now he puts on everything. And that's just my favorite story because he's like, I don't know what this is. It's fantastic. And that was his gateway. So now he puts it on everything just because he went to a class. He tried something new. He likes it. And now he's playing on eggs and veggies and, and everything. So that's my favorite story. And um, he's really sweet. He moved back to Alabama and he took Zatar with him <laughs> and my cookbook. And um, that's just my favorite story to share. So I think, you know, if you are curious about a spice or a flavor, buy it and put it on something that you're familiar with on chicken, on salmon, and then see how you like it. And then maybe expand from there. That's I was just going to say that your tip, tip was Zatar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he. I mean, I can put it on everything. I can just like you know down it. <laughs> Maybe not like that, but <laughs> but it's great on everything. I, I believe after I interviewed you, I bought Zatar for the first time. Yeah, and not not all Zatar is created equal, so there are different like variations of it. So just keep that in mind. But I love the Zatar that has like lots of sumac. I love that bright kind of puckery punch. And I love those kind of savory sesame seeds in there. So I'll buy Zatar and then I'll even add some more sumac and some more sesame seeds to mine because I just love that pucker and that savory from the sesame seeds. So that's another thing you can do is, you know, you buy something, you're like, oh, I kind of want this a little bit more this way. So add it. Yeah. <laughs> so friends, um, and let's, before we, we dive into some cooking goals, let, let's do some rapid fire cooking tips. So let's just go like boom, 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 boom. Okay, let's go. So, I'm ready. Sam, go. <laughs> oh. You said I'm ready. I'm so we're going to start with you. <laughs> Don't all talk at once. Uh, what, what's the, what's, what are we oh, doing? Are we asking the questions? Yeah, no. The, we're... <laughs> We yeah. have a comment from one of our live viewers oh, got who it. he just bought, Ori Lessing, who I, I went to high school oh, with in the Midwest, so yeah, it's a Ori. Great cookbook, great in. cookbook author, by the way. One of the best cookbook yeah. authors around. Uh, she wrote she wrote uh, Chrissy uh, Teigen's cookbooks yeah. also. Yeah, I have She's, her first book. I have Sababa. Mm -hmm. And I actually just, yeah, got, I was just looking at Shabbat. No, she's fantastic. She's fantastic. She lives in Tel Aviv. She comes to America all the time. Yeah, she's exactly. she's she's a real kind of like food personality. Mm -hmm. She really is. She's great. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, okay. So um, we're gonna. He's actually he's reading Adina. For those of you who are listening, um, or he's reading Shabbat by Adina Sussman and would like more cookbook recommendations. So, Susan, let's start with yours and Sam yours and then if you have a favorite cookbook by someone who is not you <laughs> oh you you're saying okay so not any of our books right well, first, not that they're well, my first, favorite book they're we'll not each other no I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no uh, will you share what your cookbooks are and then choose a favorite in addition to yours okay well our cookbooks are City Cuisine, Mesa Mexicana, Two Hot Tamales, uh, cook, Mexican Cooking for Dummies. Uh, we have another one. I can't remember what that, like a sun, I can't remember what that one's called. Sun, it's from Sunset Magazine, an old book. They're all sort of old. And the Street Cookbook, um, Susan Feniger Street, the cookbook. Um and okay, so those are our books. Most city cuisine and street are not Mexican. The other ones, Mesa Mexicana and Tua Tamales are Mexican. Um, and Cooking for Dummies, the Mexican one too. Um, but I don't, I, you know, one of my favorite books, I'm trying to see if I have it here, <laughs> is um, Neelam Batra's 
uh, book, which is uh, like 365 yeah. Indian recipes. I'm looking where it is. I don't see it up here, but it must be at the restaurant. But it's one of Neelam Batra's books. She's just, I love her recipes. I mean, I love Indian food. And so she's just got, you know, it's some really wonderful uh, recipes in there. I wish Excellent. I could remember the name, but I'm old. I can't remember. You can look it up. <laughs> well, if you find it and you want to send it to me, I can throw it in the recap along with uh, your cookbooks as well. All right. Well, I'm going to look it up while you guys are telling your favorite because she, she's a great cookbook writer and a really wonderful cook. So, and Sam, you've got a weeknight Mediterranean and what one hot Mediterranean. Yes, yes. Do you have a favorite in addition to I, yours? I do. So one of the first cookbooks when I kind of was going back into cooking was Mastering the Art of French Cooking, Julia Child's classic. It's If you looked at my book, there's fingerprints all over it. The, the pages are worn, and that's the sign of a really good cookbook. So that was a really good introductory cookbook for me because it was a challenge. Um, I would say that one, if you like um, more Mediterranean, I love um, Otolenghi's book. What's Jerusalem? Fantastic. Uh, Marcella Hazan for Italian food, another classic. Um, I really love Adina's first book as well, Sababa. That one's a really nice book. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head as well. You might have to come. I might add one, one or two more later as I think about it, but... That's my rapid fire answer. Excellent. And C-Dub. I already shouted out two hot tamales, but I forgot <laughs> about Mexican for, for dummies, which both very highly influential because they were, they're really, they've been around for 20, 20 years already. Like they were, when I was exploring Mexican, like I made tamales the other week. The only reason I know how to make a tamale is because I read these cookbooks. Um, I have a, I, I love cookbooks. I have a kind of a problem. I have a lot of them, you know, a yeah. thousand plus in my house right now. And I just, I keep ordering them. Amazon, you know, I'm like a junkie. Um, they did, they keep, it's like, oh, you'd like this one too. And I'm like, okay, why not? Um, there's a couple. Claudia Roden is one of like the best, like Fantastic. cultural historians. And she has yeah. all of her books, but she has the book of Jewish food, which explores Jews in every culture in the planet and how they converted the cooking. And it is a brilliant brilliant just treatise on like you know the state of like jews around the world um but really i've been rolling right now i've been getting into these books i'm gonna look up her name for a second uh don't look her name is abra barons and she wrote three books one is called grist which is just about beans and grains and these are like textbooky beautiful and then she has one called roughage which is just about veggies and different vegetables and how to use them and then she has one called pulp which is about cooking fruit and these are all three of these books are are tremendous, tremendously just well written, and they're they're like chef cook cookbooks, but like you don't have to be a chef to understand it. But they are highly like informative, and I don't know why I don't know why nobody knows about them, but they like they should be James Beard kind of like cookbook levels. Like they are tremendous books. She has three books out, and they're mm -hmm. put them on your put them on your Amazon list. You know, yeah, whatever yeah, they're great. Well, so I'm just looking at the. I mean, one of the, I mean, I love, Neelan's got a number of books, but the, one of them is the Indian vegetarian that I really love. That's just great. And then she's got a, another one that's a thousand Indian recipes that um, also just have some really interesting dishes in there. I mean, that, I mean, I, you know, I'm drawn to so many different cuisines, but that's probably one of my first experiences was uh, traveling in India back in the, I don't know, like 82 or 83. And that really shifted where my passions were from the French kitchen to a much more earthy kitchen that had lots of spices. And, mm -hmm. and then obviously that's opened up over, you know, the years into Vietnam and China and Mexico, but that my first trip to India really shifted for mm -hmm. me away from where all my training was, which was in the French kitchens. Your love of street food came from India. And that makes yeah. a lot of sense for because sure. I think for the flavors, anytime somebody has Indian food for the first time, they understand like a totally different universe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you're not Indian, of course, you know. Yeah. And every, everything about India back then, you know, I mean, look, I still wear bangles and things <laughs> that I've worn for the last different ones over the years. But I, that was a huge influence on sort of where, 
you know, that was. And even, you know, I mean, even when I was in high school, I worked on a kibbutz in Israel and Ashkelon. And even then we ate street food where we had like kushery and, you know, tasted falafels. And even that, I think sort of, I those are things that came back to me, I think, many years later, even after all that strict French training. I'm, I make kushery for myself, like, the all the time, all it's the, the time. <laughs> and nobody understands why I'm eating it. I'm like, no, this is everything it's, together, and it's the best. It's the best. It's, like, the yeah. most interesting. It's, yeah, it's in our street cookbook. You'd love oh, that street, so good street cookbook. I love quite a bit. That's probably my favorite of ours. It, and so a couple other, uh, well, so Joe Ferraro's Shay, someone familiar to Sam, also known as her husband, is tuning in. So hello to you, Joe, and thank you for watching us live. And then Danny Corson, who's um, the founder of the Culinary Judaics Academy, wrote, love this, Two Hot Tamales was must-see TV for me back in the day, and loved going to Border Grill. And his brother, David, worked with you, Susan, under Wolfgang Puck. At the old Mama Zone in the seventies, so wow, wow, was David a runner? We'll, at Zone? He, we'll we'll see if he replies to it. So, Danny, I've also interviewed on on Taste Buds as well. I love, uh, like I said, I love this because my my goal life and my love of food and cooking life get to merge today. Talking about cooking goals, yeah. so before we wrap, I would love for you all to gift a cooking goal to the audience. So what is one thing that they could do today, tonight, tomorrow to really up their cooking game? And Sam, gonna pick on you first for this one. I'm gonna go back to what I said. Go to a store, try a spice that you have been curious about or maybe you've tasted and you're, you wanna take it home now and try it for yourself and buy it and take it home and put it on something that you're familiar with and, and see how you like it. That's my goal for you. Love that. And CW? Well, I'm going to reference what uh, Chef Susan was saying. You know, leftovers are really, really important. Like, learn how to utilize leftovers. They're oftentimes better than the original meal. Uh, that's always that's always been important in my house. Like, when you roast a chicken, the next day you have things to do with that roasted chicken. And just have fun with it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's okay because it's kind of leftovers. But, like, you know, just get, get used to leftovers. Get used to utilizing you know, don't, uh, food waste is kind of bugging me a little bit nowadays. So, like, I'm trying to utilize everything. I want everybody to be, you know, aware. Just you have food, eat it. It's wonderful. You know, that did, kind of did thing. I, I don't know if I told you this but when we talked. My favorite leftover food hack is like a make your own a hot pockets in the air fryer. Mm-hmm. So, you basically mm-hmm. you take a tortilla and then you throw like whatever, whatever, it, whether it's chicken or meat or whatever, roll it up. Uh, put in the air fryer 390 for four minutes, flip it another two, and it's like better. Right. Everything could be a taco. Everything could be a taco, right? Ask the chef. I don't know. Put a hot dog in a taco. No, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen hot dogs in a taco. I don't think it was good, but I've seen it done. You know, the other thing people do everything to is waffles. They like waffleize yeah. everything. Have you noticed that? It's a texture thing. Like if marijuana you just crisp it up, like you're good. Who doesn't what? like tacos? I said marijuana is legal nowadays. Who doesn't <laughs> want a waffle with like everything on it? That's like the best. Sweet and savory. So, like like I, I want to know how the brownies are at Alice B's, uh, Chef Susan. Uh, you know, I know. Believe you know, me, everybody <laughs> wants those. Everybody <laughs> wants those. If only we could sell them there. Uh, I, I'm not telling nobody. Yeah, 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 I know. It's funny. Everybody asks, when are the brownies coming? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, first of all, Chef Susan, so David worked in pastry at Mama's Home. Aha. Oh, I think I do remember David now. I mean, we're talking, wait, we're talking about 78. But yeah, how funny. Sweet. The world is teeny tiny. Yeah. And then it's even smaller. When, when we all get together, right? Yeah, yeah. So Susan, what goal would you like to gift to our audience? Well, I think, I mean, this is very specific, but I mean, I do agree with Sam. I think I would go into any ethnic market that you are nervous about, go in, 
talk to whoever's running it and experiment because there's so many wonderful things yeah. when you go into any ethnic market is just amazing. And I think people get intimidated by that. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say during COVID, I taught I, my niece and I, you know, I, we FaceTimed, I taught her how to, you know, to go get Bob's red mill masa and make tortillas. I taught Liz, my wife who never cooks, how to make tortillas. And I think so many people love Mexican food. If you met, you cannot screw up a a handmade tortilla and they're so easy to make. Mm -hmm. And I just think that if someone's making Mexican food, you should really like try to make your own tortilla. It's not only fun. It's so simple. It's a great thing. You could show kids how to make. So make your own tortillas. And then of course, Tacos and with leftover, whatever, I think, you know, leftover chicken, leftover anything is so easy. And a salsa, just don't be intimidated by making your own salsa. I mean, it could be salsa fresca, tomato, onion, cilantro, and chilies and lime or lemon. But you can take tomatoes that have gotten older and roast them with onions and a little bit of garlic and throw them in the blender and salt and you've got a salsa. So. I just I think tacos are such a go to if you have nothing in the house, such an easy thing to have for dinner. So the goal from Susan is to make tacos. Yeah, <laughs> I like that goal. <laughs> Works for me. Uh, oh my goodness, what what fun! Well, we knew it would be um, <laughs> hunger inducing conversation. Uh, you are all amazing. Where can people learn more about you, Susan? Um. I think, you know, you could go to bordergrill.com and that will take you to all of our different restaurants and, you know, our bio and where we have cookbooks, all that stuff. So if you go to bordergrill.com, that I think would take you probably to most places. Or you can go, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Susan Veniger. Awesome. Okay. And Sam, where can people learn more about you? You can head to my website, littleferrarokitchen.com, for a slew of recipes. And I also share a lot of cooking videos on Instagram as well, at Ferraro Kitchen. And CW? You can find my show, Schmoozing and Cruising, on a streamer called HiFlix, or you can find something called Tripping Kosher, wherever the internet is sold. (laughs) And... Usually, I will put everybody's LinkedIn profile, but I think in this conversation, I will put all of your Instagrams in the recap. So if that, you go to that works for me, thedevmethod.com/slash blog, you can get the recap to this and other conversations. No, they're not all about food, but it's all about helping motivate you to create and then live the life you want. And when you have cooking goals, I mean, really, what bigger benefit can you have to enhance your life? Again, wonderful conversation. What final thought would you like to leave us with? CW? I enjoy yourself. I, I, I don't know. I, I've always get stuck on these final thought questions, like, cause that's very hard for me to have a final thought. Um, food, food is life is, is everything. Just enjoy it. Don't be negative about food. If it's not good, it's okay. It's nobody's fault. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy it when it is good. Ah, I may even do a final, final question because we got another question from the audience, but Uh, Let's do the second to last final thought first. Sam, final-ish thought? My final thought is I'm going to steal, I think it was Susan or maybe C-Dub was mentioning taste as you go. (laughs) So if you're making something, taste as you go, adjust as needed, add whatever you want to add to it to make it taste for your palate and have fun. Cooking's fun. It is fun. Mm -hmm. Who knew? Well, you all did. Uh, Susan, do you have a final thought or an almost final thought rather? Yeah, I mean, one thing I think people can do is have your pantry be sort of with that thing. Like I was saying, like Bob's Red Mill, lentils, dried beans, that, you know, rice, you know, interesting sort of grains, have it filled with that. When I'm grocery shopping or going to the market, I, especially right now during you know, winter, at least winter in LA, sort of. What we call winter. Yeah, what we call winter. 
is, you know, is to get, I get a lot of things like root vegetables, things that last a long time, then no matter what, like Liz will look in the refrigerator, she'll say there's nothing to eat. No matter what, you know, when you, when you've stocked your pantry and you have things that sort of last like rutabagas, celery root, you know, radishes, that kind of thing, then you can almost make dinner no matter what, whether it's a soup or a saute or roasted vegetables. So I just like to, I love sometimes to look in the fridge when she says there's nothing and then be able to make a really yummy meal. Yeah. It's a solid tip. I don't like, I don't plan menus for the holidays. I just stock proteins and like they're just veg and then like, yeah. okay, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Well, and when you're prepped, we were talking before about gateway. If you have ingredients, then you can make food, right? Um, And the more you, I think the more that you cook, the better you get, but also the more adventurous you get, which is kind of fun and exciting. Okay, I just like killed the conversation with my commentary. I apologize. Let's let's end on this high, wonderful note. Thank you so much, Susan Fettiger, Samantha Ferrara, and C.W. Silverberg for joining me uh, for this wonderful conversation that I hope made everybody else as hungry as it made me. Thank you for tuning in. I am live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And or you can also subscribe at The Dev Method. I am at The Dev Method everywhere. Um, And you can subscribe on YouTube and or get the podcast on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. Okay, you all have cooking goals, so go on out there and go for it because we know you can do it. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for having us, Deb. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Chef. Thank you, Samantha. Great to see you guys. It was a pleasure. Love you. Bye-bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.